Uh, welcome to the Odelay Show. Uh, the date is September 2nd, 2014. The guest today is Barry Hess. Uh, welcome to the show, Barry. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Chris. Well, a pleasure to have you, of course. According to Ballotpedia.org, Mr. Hess is a libertarian candidate for the governor of Arizona in the 2014 election upcoming next month. Yes, sir. He ran for the uh, Office of Arizona Governor in 2002, 2006, and 2010, and was a candidate for the United States President in 2008 and United States Senate in the year 2000. Hess was born in Garden City, Michigan in 1957, completed his undergraduate work at Fordham University, and currently serves as the director of the Hess Foundation Trust. Um, Mr. Hess is the only Libertarian with a capital L party candidate to be found on the ballot of the general election, which occurs on November 4. Is that right? That is correct. Um, in 2010, he won the Libertarian Party primary with 44.82% of the vote, where Bruce Olson came in second with 20.95% of it. Hess faced incumbent Republican Jan Brewer, Democrat Terry Goddard, and Green Party candidate Larry Gist, in the November 2, 2010 general election, which Brewer ultimately won. And she sits now still. Um, so, again, the, the, the uh, willing and optimistic Mr. Barry Hess. First, a question, uh, sir, regarding um, semantics, terms, the qualifications of terms. Sure. If libertarianism with a small l denotes a philosophy of individual liberty, advocacy, and existence, how do we... Uh, Liberty advocates overcome, or libertarians overcome, the ironies and potential conflicts of interest that may manifest or we may encounter with respect to organized partisanry on libertarians. It seems to be a sort of oxymoron. How to for? It really does. Uh, you know, and because the philosophy of liberty, the libertarian with a small l, uh, has the philosophy was enumerated very clearly in what's called the Declaration of Independence. In fact, the libertarians of the day wrote most of the Constitution and all of the Bill of Rights. That's who they were. It was the philosophy at work. And, and I'm glad you made that distinction, because unfortunately, in 1971, David Nolan, a brilliant MIT uh, uber geek, founded the Libertarian Party. And I think it was unfortunate that he named it after a philosophy it had pretty much been set in stone. Uh, it was the philosophy of individual freedom and liberty and, and preserving each of us in our lives as individuals. And I say it was unfortunate because you're right. The rub comes that a, a philosophical libertarian really wants very little to do with politics at all. It's too smarmy, and there's too many games that are being played even to this day. Uh, and I find myself in the position of being both a philosophical libertarian and uh, a member, of course, of the party. I'm also the vice chairman of the Arizona Libertarian Party, mm -hmm. and I've been a national speaker uh, on the, for libertarians and, and the liberty movement that is going on and gaining strength every day. And so it's been a privilege to be there, but to try to find some some sort of path that we can weave in both between both the philosophy and uh, the political party, uh, well, you know, I think I've found that to, to the greatest degree possible, and that is, <clears throat> excuse me, in the sense that 
we understand, we, the, the people who, like Ernie Hancock likes to say, there's only two kinds of people in the world. Those of us who just want to be left alone and those bums who won't leave us alone. And that's why we have to run, you know, in the Libertarian Party. We use it purely as a vehicle. It's, it's a means to an end, to be free. That's why I use it. And I think it's important that uh, people denote the distinctions because we do have to bite, bite our lip and hold our nose sometimes on some of the issues. But, you know, if they've got to be done, they've got to be done. And so that what Harry Brown used to call the great libertarian compromise, which was the Constitution, of course, that <clears throat> we didn't want a central power. We had just gotten rid of a central power. And so the compromise was the Constitution. And so the modern-day libertarian who runs as a libertarian with a capital L, uh, we run basically as the keepers of a sacred trust between the American people and their government. We just want to hold the government to the contract. So yeah, yeah, it's important to scramble a team even if... Uh... You know, so uh, that makes sense to me. It's, well, I think what's important is that a libertarian candidate must understand. Um, um, and, and I think, for example, when you're talking about partisanry, like Republican means something, you know, philosophically or fundamentally. I'd like to know what that is. <laughs> and, you know, Democratic means, to me, Democratic means if we want to at any time, we can enjoin this office to, to the precinct committee. Bam. You know, and, and, and mm -hmm. you know, if, if this office, regarding regardless of who's at the helm, deviates from natural authority as outlined by the Constitution, the recourse, the relief therewith is to enjoin it to committee, even, you know, in absentia, you know, that that's right. It's a it's a it's a safety, you know, you know, and, and Republic just means the same thing that liber Republican means the same thing that libertarian means in the sense that Republican means don't don't tread on us and libertarian means don't tread on me. Um, but but any any word can be like I don't know you, bastardized hijacked <laughs> yeah bastardized. And, and they have been yeah um, in fact you know how I became a libertarian was really interesting I grew up in New Hampshire hmm. and uh, I got involved with a political campaign uh, you know when I was in law school. And it was funny, it was with John Conley, if you remember him, the former governor of Texas, hmm. the guy who was shot in the car with John Kennedy, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I really liked Big John, but uh, I was introduced to, when we knew we were going to fold in, we were told, with the Reagan campaign. And so Ronald Reagan, and I was just a flunky, nothing special, hmm. uh, but I had the opportunity to speak with the candidate on many occasions. And at one point, we had a, a discussion, and I gave my opinion. He, he looked at me, and he said, Barry, you're not a Republican. And, and here was a guy who never called anybody names. He was an incredible person. I really liked him personally. Uh, and he, he, I said, well, yes, I am. I, I'm from New Hampshire. Uh, you had dinner with my dad uh, last week, you know, uh, this kind of stuff. I, I couldn't think of what it meant to be a Republican. And he looked at me and he said, no, you're a libertarian. And I can tell you this, Chris, it was, it was really disappointing for me because here I was, you know, I, I thought I knew everything at that time. Boy, did I learn. <laughs> did I learn that I didn't know anything? Right. The same um, thing he happens. said, you're a libertarian. And I had just graduated from one of the top universities in the country, political science, specializing in, in different advocacies. 
And I had never heard the word before. And he must have seen this real screwed up look on my face because in, in his very grandfatherly way, he was such a cool guy. Uh, in his grandfatherly way, he, he knew he better explain himself. Um, and he said, because you don't back up on principle at all, and this was the part I liked, he said, and because you hold government to the same standard of moral accountability as you would any individual. Mm. And to this day, I'd say, and the problem is what? And he fancied himself a libertarian. And incidentally, uh, long after that, after he was out of office, I met up with some of the people who were on the campaign, and we were having lunch, and he said, you know, Reagan recalled your conversation with me. And, and boy, that'll, that, that'll get you, make you feel good. I mean, I was just a flunky. I was a nothing. And so I was, I was really, it made my chest all swell up right. Too down to that keep he quiet. remembered. And he said, Barry, he said it was the highest compliment he had paid anyone in politics. That'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. So that's Ronald. That's a conversation you had with Ronald Reagan. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, when you and it, it, it was really government. something, and, and it set me off on a journey. Six yeah. years later, I was able to pry my way out of the club. I started to see that I was one of the bad guys. The Republican Party had already become so perverted that I didn't want to put my personal integrity next to it in any sense of the word. I, it, was just became, uh, it just became the Democrat Party, and they were just trying to play people one against the other. You get mad at one, you vote for the other. You get mad at them, you vote back again. Uh, it's just a game that they play, and it's still going on. I mean, it goes on in big time. Because the, the, the party, if once you get inside Washington like I was, and invited to all the parties, and hey, everybody loved Barry. Barry was the life of the party. But uh, it was funny because everybody said they were my friend, and this was what really took me by surprise, was when I announced that, no, I'm a parent now. I've got to start thinking about the next generation. It's not about me. Uh, that I, I said I'm going to be true to my political philosophy, and I became a Libertarian Party member back in 1987. And I can tell you this, what was so disappointing was all of my friends, and I had lots of friends in the Republican Party, easily I could have been the Barack Obama of the Republican Party, easily. And, and it was funny because these people were, oh, we're going to love you forever. You know, we're friends. I haven't talked to probably 97% of those people. It was so shallow that all I had to do was change my party, and our friendships went away. And that was terribly disappointing. Well, that, I, that, I have greater faith in people. Uh, Mr. Hess, one of the perils of human side, you have to be careful in community management when you're dealing with groups of people, because groups mm -hmm. think and operate differently than do individuals. And you, so uh, in that sense, it transcends specific affiliation uh, uh, you know, with respect to partisanry. And it's important that we pay attention to that sort of thing. Whoever we are, uh, be aware that group thinks is something different it can be very harmful if if, uh, if it's not you know properly you know administrated or you know audited on you know as a word for it um uh it, it, it in in any regardless of, of partisan affiliation <coughs> regarding terms and context there's a lot of um an example of what you know argument fallacious arguments all right often occur Right. So and and a hive or a group of people will kind of run off one way, you know, and, and go with that. The drum that they're banging makes the right sort of causes the right sort of reaction. Well, eventually they've got the drum, but the message is gone. They're just they're just doing that. So 
that said, there's a lot of argument and conversation, a lot of, you know, dialogue philosophically, you know, and, ac and the academics or just in the community, just wherever, tends to be based on you know, there's a lot of presumptions made, and you don't hear people resetting. Um, okay, we're talking about the following concepts and the following ideas in, in, the, in the light of the, these other concepts or ideas. So the second question I have for you is also another, like the first one, with respect to defining partisanship and the terms that the, the, they're named. Um, the second is also terms of what, you know, what are we talking about here? What is Arizona? These may sound kind of dumb or myopic, but I don't think so. Okay? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how. I mean, every day I hear someone conflate um, you know, rhetoric in either intentionally or because they've just been taught to do it because they're repeating what they've heard. Um, you know, constitutional United States constitutional precedent law, case law, um, or policy with with um, something that's going on at a state capital. Um, and I think it's half the time it's accidental, half the time it's on purpose, and it's always often it's in bad faith. But what is Arizona? What is the United well, States of America? Who are the citizens of, of the United States of America and of Arizona? What, what define? I mean, it should, it, it, I expect a very simple definition. <laughs> well, that's I see. Now it's funny because I cannot define uh, find a difference between the parties. I call them the the I want parties, uh, the Republican Democrat Party, uh, for lack of of a better term or simplicity. Because the thing is that I find that they are separated only by percentages and degrees. How much do they want to come into our lives? How much do they want to steal from us? How much do they want to influence the education of our children? And it, it's, it, I guess, a great way that, that I found to put it that people understand is, you know, a Democrat will promise, well, I, I'm, I'm only going to kick you once, but I'm going to steal a dime. And a Republican says, well, I'm only going to steal a nickel, but I'm going to kick you twice. And then you get that wet blanket, that libertarian who comes on scene and says, how about no kicking, no stealing? How about that? And, and their faces, their eyes get wide and their mouths drop. They're like, oh, how can you possibly suggest that? And, and, and I think if we backed up as human beings, because life is meant to be lived, and, and I view politics and, polit and government as more of a janitorial service, something not to infringe upon our rights, but to work around them, like this NSA spying. Right now, our calls being taped by the NSA. That is so, so despicable, it's not even funny. Well, it's despicable uh, in an IT sense, for sure, because what a waste of space. Absolutely. I, but it's also, it, it becomes, when you see what's really driving it, it's the intelligence community, which is now the, one of the largest parts, that and the prison systems, are the largest parts of our government. They're getting so much money that they keep it going. It's like the warmongers. You know, they, they want to have a war. Remember all the anti-war Democrats? Where the hell did they go? You know, I well, mean, now, the, now they're all about, let's go bomb somebody sure. else. Because and, and you're, who's you're, behind you're, it are the missile makers. That's the ones, the ones who profit, because there's no profit in victory. The profit's in the war. You're, and so you're libertarians upon, want to stop uh, the war. You're dancing upon uh, questions that I have reserved for later, but I will oh, say just, the intelligence state is, is a, uh, just like any other agency, I mean, if it's not authorized by the, you know, it's unconstitutional, and it's, you know, purported or apparent contemporary current application, about which I know, you know, you know, I have my speculations, but uh, just because it's happening doesn't mean that it's legal or, or uh, it's constitutional. And you, you mentioned earlier, how about the kick and the punch or the two punches and the theft? 
Well, right. The, uh, all of it, you know, there is a, um, a, you know, there there is a certain kind of. I don't know. That's that is a that is a that is like a weather report. None of that is is allowable at all. And anytime anybody does it, you know, the, the precedent is is that they're you know removed from you know the agency or the person removed from the the natural ley line of power. So anybody to su- if you suffer that if you ever see it generally if you see people behaving in this way, they're you're being essentially tested. Whether you know you're you're a known subject or not, you know something's testing the waters to see if it can it can get away with it with you on the watch. Don't suffer it at all, you know. Exactly, um, it's, and it's, that's why I offer the people of Arizona. You know, I'll let the other guys run as if they're you know with promises of being their savior. Mm-hmm. All I'm offering is to be your servant. That's what government is supposed to be. You mentioned a, a, a janitorial role. Um, and you don't have to win office to be a politician. And typically, if you're trying to win, you're not serving the public and yourself as a politician. And if you're doing it right, um, it doesn't matter if you win. Um, and exactly. I, and, you know, regarding who, you know, I, I'm going to have to speculate here. Is I think that, uh, you know, all all rights, and I've said this a number of times, all rights denote a certain are a right to privacy to some degree or another. And that's because we're talking about, we're talking about rights, natural rights, and civil rights. That's an intellectual uh, argument. So an Arizona citizen, I expect someone who is a United States citizen who is in Arizona. Mm-hmm. That, that would be one way to look at it. How about an American citizen? Sure. The United because States of America. the U.S. is actually a corporate entity, and most people don't even realize there are two. There's America and then there's the United States. There, there's the American Treasury, and there's the U.S. Department of Treasury. Mm. Totally, totally separate entities. Uh, and most people don't even understand it. I wish we could get back to some serious civics that people understood the construct well, of in how terms of, in our terms government of, has been laid out. In terms of um, applied natural law, which would be maritime law or law of the sea or, you know, in conformance with physics or, you know, you know, like think, you know, a continent has to be staffed and administrated, you know, any any sort of cohesive applied government, governmental system. And and that's different than a federal system. You know, a federal system is a is a concept. Um, and you and I have exchanged in writing some conversation recently regarding, um, you know, I made mention that, you know, the Fed is a tool. It's a bank. It's significantly privately held. And, the, and, and then there is that which the Congress, which is at the legislative helm of continental United States of America and its outlying territory. Um, and those, you know, it at fiat, right, essentially – coins money right you know as a as a as a tool to use in the marketplace and that value chain is different than the federal reserve note now they may both both of those you know terminologies may be found on it but the the dollar has different uses and i think people conflating those usages of it are are as i mentioned earlier people you know we find tautologically or rhetorically people conflating uh, mm-hmm. you know concepts or ideas and i think 
it, you know, I think often it's done on purpose. It's set out there, you know, okay, well, kind of confuse the issue or cloud the issue. And then sometimes it's done because that's people are confused about it and that's what they've heard and that's all they know to say when they're talking about it. Um, but we're in, I'm way off base and over into your uh, territory in terms of uh, fiscal platform. I, I, I uh, uh, rein myself oh, back. Oh, it's here. okay. We're all, we're all people. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, whatever, however we define citizenry, um, you know, the reason I put the question is to find out, you know, because if you're a citizen, you, you, you're not to be burdened, um, you know, by some personification of the state. Citizens are the government. That's my point. And, you know, regardless of exactly. how narrowly you define it, that's a pretty, I think, self-evident thing as well. But the reason I beg the question is because when you define the citizenry, then you've defined the government. It's, it's being a member of a club. All of these concepts are just that. They don't exist. Government does not exist. It is, <clears throat> it is a concept that we accept and to the level that we agree personally to be subservient to it. Uh, that's the level of degree of control that it has. You know, for instance, uh, how fast can you go on the freeways? Well, th that's not really something that the government has any authority to say, but they do. It it's, it's a very simple thing that, you know, we're supposed to be servants, the, the public servants. That's what you offer yourself up to in public office. But we've gotten to a point where the citizenry has been conned into thinking that they're elected royalty, that they get special rights, and, and they have been afforded special rights within that separate construct. Uh, you know, if a politician gets in trouble, uh, nothing happens. Average citizen gets in trouble uh, doing the same thing, like Marion Barry and his uh, cokehead stuff. Yeah. Uh, he, he gets to walk. He gets to skate. But the average citizen is pounded on. Or, you know, these people who are anti-drunk driving, and, and I'm one of those, by the way, uh, mm. but uh, anti-drunk driving, I, how many politicians are caught drunk driving? And yet they continue on. Simply because, you know, like if, if Congress is in session, a congressman can do anything. Yeah, well, I go as far as to say I'm anti-alcohol. I consider it to be something that is not uh, anyone who's drinking can go sit, you know, back of the Yeah, boat. I mean, I, I don't care what other people do. It's their, it's their life. They're not going to be on my, on my um, you know, you know my, uh, my sea line, though. I'm not putting anybody who's drinking uh, anywhere you know tie an iron anywhere on any sort of operation doing any sort of books working with not you know they can sit there and look cool maybe paint but um you know i, I think that um i think that the substance abuse and its marketing and distribution and its widespreadness you know across the continent um, absolutely illustrates uh, just just how night and day certain factions of the populations are 